Good morning. Actually, in where I come from, or where I have been brought up, the Christian community has the culture. So when usually greet, say, good morning is not enough. You have to add praise the Lord. Amen. And people will say, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen indeed. Some years back when I began a ministry, I mean um, training for ministry, I was told that when you have a troubling message to pass across, maybe a message about the death of a beloved one, you don't just go and say, someone has died. You don't do that. There is a way you have to go about it. And you have to be uh, uh, tactical in the way you do it. You probably go and greet and take time, find out what is going on, prayerfully find a way, ask God, how am I going to do that? How am I going to uh, break the sad news? And then by God's grace, you will find a way, you will land somewhere. Why is that important? Is because if you go and you want to pass across that sad message, if you're not wise in the way you do it, you are likely to cause more damage. Maybe someone might hear that maybe his child or her husband or his wife has passed on or a brother or sister, and suddenly the person might, might get heart attack and die, or dies. So that's why it's important uh, to go tactical. In the passage that was read in the, in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus coming to break difficult, troubling message to his disciples. And this message is in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And I want us to, to see how Jesus tactically or tactically passed on the message. It wasn't a, a good message. Jesus himself had said it's troubling. Uh, in verse 21 of chapter, uh, of, uh, chapter 13, verse 21 of chapter 13, the Bible says that, that after he had said this, uh, he was troubled in the spirit. And the, the, this here is about how he's going to die, how he's going to be removed from 
his own people from this earth. And so let's see how he did it. And um, this message was to be broke, uh, to be broken to his disciples, people he have spent uh, with for the last three years. They were not just people, they were good friends. He loved them. They loved him too. They had shared a lot. They have shared laughter. They have shared a meal. They have been students. He has been a teacher. He shared. They shared all. By the way, good and bad. Good when uh, the message, when, when, when people enjoyed uh, the wine. He had multiplied the wine. He had, his disciples had seen him raising up Lazarus. They had seen him raising a son um, who, was, uh, who was a lame. He, they have seen that, very comforting. But also he had, they have seen difficult situation. They have gone it through together. And that, you look, if you look back earlier, we realized that he also went, uh, there were times that actually I counted 10 times, 10 times when Jesus was being, uh, the, uh, the Pharisees wanted to arrest him and they had to sneak out. It was difficult. But now the time of being together is coming. How is Jesus going to break that? to his disciples, his disciples. For the first time in John, in the Gospel of John, I see the word, my children. That is a word, that is a word that conveys the, uh, that affinity, that love, that, that's how Jesus looked at them. They were not only child, he was not seeing them not in terms of, um, um, in terms of the, the, you know, the children, in terms of how they understood things, but how what they meant to him. They were his children, and he loved them dearly, very dearly. So from verse uh, 33 onward of chapter 13, let us, for those who have the Bible, let us glue ourselves to this passage and see how he managed to do that. My children, by the way, do you know what? I only have a little time. You will see me, We look for me for a little while. And do you remember what I told the Pharisees? I will be going, and where I'm going, you cannot come. So meanwhile, when I'm away, what are you supposed to do? Please, love each other. You must love. This is a command I give you. Love each other. That's the only way you are going to survive. And love just as I have loved you, 
Did I love you? If I have loved you, love each other the way I have loved you. And the love that goes beyond self-interest, not gain, but if it, even it means to die for one another, please do. That was the message. He broke that. But Peter did not understand. Lord, are you going? Where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Lord, can't I follow you now? Where you are going, can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, surely, are you sure? You will down, lay down your life for me? Please know this, you may not know, but it's not easy. Before the rouster crowds, you will disown me three times. Yes, you have a good intention, Peter, but you know what? It's not going to be that easy. That might have signaled in the mind of Peter and all the disciples that actually the journey Jesus was taking is a journey in the dark tunnel, the, the, the journey of death. He is going to die. I think that might have also signaled uh, the very truth that Peter got into the minds of other disciples. So Jesus already looked at their face. He looked at how they, they, they reacted to that message and he realized the message has had been received, but it has caused sadness, pain, frustration, confusion, name it. And then he responded to them, dear children, let your hearts be, let your heart be not troubled. Trust in me and trust in God. In my father's house are many rooms. If, if it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where, to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the, the way, the place where I am going. So, it is not just death. He's, it seems Jesus has shifted the, the, um, the conversation about the short journey where he was going to 
the higher gear, he passed through the tunnel. But that wasn't really the final destination. He is talking about where he landed. Beyond the tunnel, beyond the grave, Jesus is talking about another place. Hallelujah. But Thomas did not get it. So he wanted clarity the same way Peter wanted clarity. So Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? So it's basically asking, where, where, where are you going? And where are you going? How can we reach there? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now, you do know him, and you have seen him because you have seen me, haven't you? I have been with you all this time. And so, I'm going to the Father. I know the way because I came from there. It's clear where I'm going. So, I am the way. I can take you there, Thomas. Listening to whole conversation, right from the time Jesus broke the message, to the time when Peter asked a question, to this time, uh, to the time uh, Thomas sought clarification. People, these people were wondering how, if there's a house and the father is there, Philip asked, okay, you are going there and I hear you, um, you are going to be with the father. But, you know, we have not seen the father. We don't know how he looks like. We only know, we read in the Torah, in the scripture, that Moses tried to see, to see, he saw to see the father. He only saw the, the, the back of, of, of God. Isaiah, we know, he was shown the glory of God. But how? How does, look, how does God look like? Can you show us the Father? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen my, the Father. Then how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not just my own. These are the words of the Father that you want to look, you look for. I tell you the truth. There is no difference between me, the man who has been here with you, and the Father. I wondered whether 
Philip, his mind, whether it clicked to um, Philip's mind, actually, right from the beginning, from the gospel of, 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 of John, someone called John the baptizer came talking about he who came from heaven and has come in the fullness of God, dwelling among his people, bringing light to his people. I don't know whether that clicked in his mind when Jesus said, you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But I'm not sure also where he was satisfied. And maybe that's why Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If anyone has faith in me, we do what I have been doing. So what I have been doing is not just any kind of things. Has anyone raised someone from the dead? Has someone opened the eyes of the blind? Has anyone multiplied wine? I mean, made wine out of water? Peter, who can do that? Tell me. Tell me which science can do that. I mean, the, the Philip. Who can do that? Is there anything you want beyond that? Tell me, what is it? Search within your heart. What is it that you are looking for outside me that you have not seen? Tell me. So, for you to know that there is no distinction between me and my father, just do one thing. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. You want to know the Father? I want to do that for you to know that me, where I'm going, me and my Father, where we are, there's no distinction. You just do one thing, ask, then we see. I will do it for the glory of my Father. I will make sure I do it. I don't know what. This man, Philip, will want to ask. I don't know. But this is a test. He has been given an opportunity to prove whether Jesus is God, whether Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah that they have been waiting for. So that is the conversation. That is the conversation. Isn't it amazing how from breaking news that he's going to go. We end the story by a promise, a promise. I think he had done his homework very well, isn't it? He has done it so well, praise the Lord. Let's ask the question, how relevant is this conversation to us? What can we learn? from this. 
of course, the, the Holy Spirit has been teaching us, isn't it? From the time the word was read to us and through this um, reflection. But I just want to summarize in two ways, in, um, uh, in two points. One is that troubling situation rise troubling questions. Troubling situations raise troubling uh, questions or they engender troubling questions. So these three disciples were troubled. But when Jesus broke the news, they did not keep quiet. They began to ask a question. They began to ask, Jesus, are you really the Messiah that we have been waiting for? How sure are we that you are not a con man? That you are not a kind of a person who disguises behind magics and good, doing good. But in reality, you are not the son of God because the Messiah, the way we expect him to be, he was to come and stay here with us and reign with us. So how come? That could be a troubling question. Now you are telling us you are going back. Honestly, Jesus? But Jesus, do you know that following you is also causing us trouble? We are already in conflict with these Pharisees. We are outcast in the Jewish community. And if they can dare you, they can dare killing you. Jesus, how about us? You are the son of God. Yes, we believe. But if they can dare to kill you and succeed in killing you, how safe are we? Have we been following all this time, have been following you all this time in vain? So this is in addition to the questions that were raised. I'm sure they must be asking such questions. They are asking questions about where Jesus is going. They're asking about the house, the way to get to, to heaven. They're asking the questions about the Father. But there are also other troubling questions they are having. So troubling questions, I mean, troubling situations really test our faith, for sure. They will. They will. They will. They will. Situations, they will. And we will question about the goodness of God. We will question about the veracity of the church and its presence. We will. We will ask whether our faith is really faith in God. So that's the first thing I'm learning from here. But there's a reality. The other thing I'm, re I'm, I'm 
getting from this is that the answer to trembling questions is found is in putting trust or our faith in the Son of God. Why? Because when all these questions were asked, what did Jesus do? He pointed these people to himself and to the Father. Isn't so? When he was, when he realized that, that people are troubled in their hearts, what did he do? He said, chapter 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. I mean, trust in God. Trust in me also. That actually, yes, you are troubled, but you are not going to, you are not glued in this trouble for eternity. No. It's just for a while. You, these troubles will not be there. Can you trust God the Father, you know? The father of your, 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 the father to your father Abraham, can you trust him? Can you also trust me that there's no one above your God and me? Can you trust me? So if you trust me, then trust me. Your trouble is gone. Can you trust me that I'm the way? That through me, I can talk to my Father. I can take you to the Father. That through me, can you trust me that I am the way? I am the truth. I am the life. That I am the one who gives life. Oh, this reminds me right the first verse of John chapter one, the gospel of John. Everything has been created by God. Nothing that is has not been created by God. I am the giver of life. I give life. Can you trust me? Trust me. Know that exactly what I say is true and it shall happen. Don't compare me with anybody else. Why? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. We are one. So the answer to troubling questions is to put our trust in the Son of God, our Messiah. But I have to say, as I conclude, this is not the obvious one. Putting trust in the Son of God is not obvious. And if you want to know that it's not obvious, is that 
all these troubling questions, these questions you would have that in the hearts and minds of, of these disciples, you would have imagined. They will say, oh, Jesus, you are going. You know we have been with you for all this time. We have grown to trust you. We have grown to trust you. You would imagine they will not ask questions to find more and more, or questions that betray their lack of faith, or questions that show their faith is struggling, a struggling faith. But what we see, they are really struggling. They are struggling. You know, Jesus, especially this man called Philip, he's been told, I am the way, I'm the truth, I am alive. Just trust me and my father and say, okay, you we have been together, but how about the father? I want to see the father, I'll be satisfied. What was, he was still lacking something in Jesus. It's not obvious. Is trusting Jesus obvious where you are? Where? When the, the situation comes, arise, arises, what do we do? Do we trust Jesus? Yes, we do. I would say we do. But maybe after some time, maybe after have, we have consulted other mediums, other means. And then our minds will come to, I mean, to, um, our minds will then be brought to the reality that actually we wasted all our time. What we ought to have done is run straight to God, trust in the God and trust in the Lord, calling upon the name of Jesus. I, what I have seen um, is that in reality, even the academic world, trusting Jesus has become a problem. It's not, it's not what the Bible says here he is. But there's, there's a fog. There's a fog in the minds of people that prevents people seeing plainly who Jesus is. No other one. Is Jesus they want to invent? There is Jesus that is quoted with human knowledge, but he's not the Jesus that we have to trust that the Bible talks about. I met a man, not I think this week, and I was going to buy some stuff from the, the grocery store and the Spirit of God, you know, led me to talk with this man. He was just sitting on the street, had books and a bag. And I said, okay, I haven't been seeing homeless, in this, in, I mean, street people in this city. I only saw it when I was in Maine. <laughs> but rarely do I see street people. I think this place is blessed. I don't know why. <laughs> but not many as I see in other places or what I hear 
back in California. And so I, 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 I reached this man. And um, so we opened a conversation. I was riding. I just put my bike there, took time to sit with him. I said, I have to talk to this man. So I, list, I talked to him. I introduced myself. Um, he was reading a book. So the first question I asked him is, oh, what is that book about? And he told me the story about uh, it's a couple that had have trust, tr trusted each other, but a guy went and uh, became unfaithful, got sickness, and you know, brought into the family, and the way troubles began, blah, blah, blah. So it was a sad story, but that's the story he was reading. He had just covered a couple of, of pages. So in, we, we kept talking and talking. I wanted to know who he is. And part of what he told me, he said, you know, I used to be a, a Christian, but I, I'm not a Christian anymore. For 21 years, I was a Christian, and my mother was a Christian. I stayed with my mother for 21 years, but after 21 years, I realized this is, Christianity is, is a scam. It's a sham. I have to truly abandon it. So the guy had actually has abandoned it, I think for many years now, because 21 years, that meant from the time he was a, a young, but he, he looks like he's in his uh, 50s, 60s, thereabout. So he has lived more years as non-believer than the years he lived as a Christian. And my heart really sunk. And I asked, why did you, why did you um, abandon your faith? He said, I had to, to live because Christianity doesn't make sense. If, if God is there, why, why didn't he solve all this mess that we have? And he started talking. I think you know how these people go about it. And as we continue to talk, I got to know that he he's an expert in cards, reading cards. I don't know, astrologies, and that's a means of his means of of living. And um, and I felt in my my heart is like maybe Jesus has no problem, <laughs> but what he's running after is what is blinding him. But Jesus has no problem. It's not obvious that people will put their faith in the cross. We have an enemy. We have an enemy of God. And this is the enemy who prevented Jesus, who thought that by killing Jesus, he will have solved the problem. Thanks be to God. Because when he did, they did that, salvation was brought to us. We need to trust God. We need to run to Jesus. He is able, more than able. Friends, Jesus is all that we need. And blessed is you. Even your weak situation, raising so many questions about your faith. Blessed are you if you yield to Jesus and say, I may not understand, but your word says, if I 
put my trust in you, Lord, you will do it. That's what we need. Faith is, is, is a gift from God, amen? Gift, I mean, faith is the gift from God. And as Jesus told Philip, ask, ask, whatever you want, including faith, if you lack faith. I don't know what you lack, but ask. And for the, for the sake of glorifying my Father, I will do it. I will increase your faith. My Father will put faith in you. You don't, there's no formula that you need to use so that you can arrive to faith being planted in you. Nothing. But it's the work of God. It is the work of God to give us faith. I don't know. That should be the approach, even when we have with the people who don't know Jesus. Let's pray that God will overshadow these people with, with the light of Jesus. He will overshadow them with the light of God. And they will see and they will believe. Amen? They will believe because God is able. God is able. And that is the message of today. Let's pray. Father, I, as I shared and allowed myself to be used of you, it's agonizing reality that we sometimes fall short of your glory as we lack to trust you. That we allow the noise of troubles in this world to overcrowd our minds and forget that there's this still voice that you told us to trust in you, to trust in our Heavenly Father. Forgive us, Lord. Father, I pray that you clothe us with your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will not waver. We will stand in the promises that you will be with us. You are Emmanuel. Our Emmanuel, that you are with us. That in the thick of things, Lord, you are here with us. You love me. You love these people such that our voice will not go in vain. Lord, when we call upon your name, you will hear us and you will answer our prayers. That's your promise, God. So Lord, please make your voice bigger and bigger and bigger. The voice that you alone is sufficient. Mm. Indeed, Lord, you are sufficient to us. You are the life we are craving for. 
Jesus, I pray on all in these troubling questions or troubling realities of this world. Lord, you will reign. We even stand and, and, and rejoice and sing praises so that the world will be able to see how come they sin, yet there are troubles. Lord, that we, we start desiring this reality, a new reality that people can live, that only you offer that, offer that reality. Bless our oh Lord, even as we, we go to celebrate you, what you have done for us. What you have done for us is sufficient, sufficient. We thank you and we bless you. We pray all these things, trusting in the, the most precious name, the name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.